You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see Episode 3 of People, Places, and Things with me, Shay Moore. Today, I'm talking with Brian B. Shining. I call him the voice of choice. He's got so many talents, things that he has yet to even uncover for himself. And today, we're going to dive deep. We'll talk wins and losses, losing a very important person in his life, facing adversity. We even going to get deep into his business about the type of woman that he hopes to marry. Yes, he is single. If you've ever listened to him on the radio, you don't even know to have. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Don't argue with fools because those from a distance don't know who is who. That's from Jay-Z. A lot of times, you know, you'll get to arguing with people on the internet. Somebody on Twitter will be in your mentions or somebody on Instagram will say something rude to you. And then all of a sudden, it'll just spill out. And then other people will attach themselves, unfortunately, to it. And then you get people who could misconstrue what you say, take what you say the wrong way. And it just becomes a big sloppy mess that you can't fix. It's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. Keep your comments to yourself. Even if you feel a certain way about something, just try to hold it in as as best as possible because you never know who you're talking to and who you're going to offend. Do you think you adhere to that advice 100% of the time? Or is it still a work in progress for you? It's still a work in progress. I'm better at it now than what I was two or three years ago. People just be coming out of their mouths with anything. And it's it's so annoying because it's like, how can you even think that or even think that that's true about me or whatever situation that it might be? So I'm still trying to work on it because it's certain buttons that can't get pushed. And that's what it comes down to as well is, is never letting people see you sweat. Never let people know what your weaknesses are. When I moved here, your love for Kansas City enters a room before you even do. Why do you think that you love Kansas City so much? Well, first off, it's home. You and I talk a lot about traveling and going different places, and you have that experience. I don't. So this is the only thing that I know. It's like kind of being with your brother or being with a family member. It's like, I know it. I love it. I'm familiar with it. I take the good and the bad with it. Let's go back in time. Tell me about the lowest point in Brian B. Shining's life. Got that. 2005, May of 05. And I know I'm finna get suspended from school because I was slacking off. I wasn't concentrating. I was skipping class. This is one of the last real conversations I had with my daddy. And I told him straight up, like, hey, I'm finna get suspended from school. He was like, okay, you know, that's cool, whatever. You know, you get back in. He said that he respected me because I had came to him as a man and told him the truth. So that was a sign of, of growth and maturity for me. During that summer of... 05, I got a job at Home Depot on 135th in Overland Park, and everything was going fine. My mama needed her house paint. And I told her, I said, Mama, just come through my line. I'll hook you up. Don't have to worry about it. She did not want to do it. She was so against it. But I convinced her to do it, and she came through my line. Bada bing, bada boom, did the hookup. You know what it is. My manager was like, hey, the, the general manager wants to see you in his office. I'm like, oh, shit. I already knew what it was. And I asked her, I was like, what does he want? She said, "Who? it's your last day. Go ahead. Who cares? I went in there. It was him and a lady from a, a lost and prevention department. I already knew what time it was. The conversation started out nice. Hey, I hear you going back to school and you're doing this, you're doing that. I'm like, yeah. We're setting you up for the okie doke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
slowly the conversation moved. You know, she got mean with me. Well, who was this in this picture? And and what did you do this for? And blah, blah, blah. So I wrote down my statement. And then next thing I know, the police comes in. I said, fam, y'all gonna arrest me for this shit, dog. And you have your right to remain silent. Blah, 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 blah. So I got walked out of Home Depot in handcuffs. Oh, damn. And yeah, and I went to jail. It was only for a couple hours, though. So I ain't, you know, I ain't no hard body. I did a couple hours in the county. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Call my daddy, he picked me up, and that definitely was my lowest point right there. But the story continues, though, because I stayed low for, for a minute. I got on diversion, and diversion is another form of probation where you can get it expunged off your record. So I had to do that for a year. I had to take P-tests, take these theft classes and all this other stuff. In the meantime, I'm up at Northwest now, and I'm looking for a job. I've only got probably about $500 to my name, and I got to pay this rent. I got to pay the lights and all this other stuff. This is my first time moving off campus to an apartment. So I'm like, I don't know anything about responsibility at this point. I can't find a job anywhere. McDonald's, Subway, Walmart. I applied everywhere and they would not touch me. And I'm guessing because of this thing that happened at Home Depot. So December comes around and I've lost probably about 25 pounds, probably more than that. I'm not eating like I should be. I'm eating, eating like five fish sticks a day and water because I had bought a big bag of fish sticks because I knew that would last me. Two months behind on rent, behind on the bills. I don't have a penny to my name. I am just at school at this apartment, just sitting in the house every day. So you're not even taking classes right now. You just up there. Just up there. This is the fall semester of 05. I talked to my advisor at school, Fred Lamer. I would credit him for saving my life, basically, because he got me back into school. He said, listen, if you want to graduate, you don't want to bullshit, come with me and just do what I say. I said, I'm with it. So... I got back into school, eventually paid my bills, caught up with my rent. So here comes April of 2006, spring semester, and I'm trying to find an internship. I call KPRS, High 103 Jams, about five times, left five voicemails, sent about six or seven emails to Theo here at the radio station. And eventually I got an interview. I applied a year before in 05. I only called one and I didn't get a response. So I said, this time, damn it, I'm going to call. I'm going to do whatever I can to get some type of internship. Plus I needed to boost my GPA up. I got my interview, and then I got the internship. May 22nd was my first day. That was a Monday. 2006 was my first day of internship at 103. That Friday, May 27th, my daddy passed away. That low point continued to May, June 2006, and things got better after that. Got back into school, graduated, got hired here at the station a year after that, June 13th, 2007. I want to go back to talking about starting what would be the beginning of a career for you and then losing somebody so important to you, your dad, all in the same week. How did you manage that? Man, it was... uh... At that point, it was the hardest thing in my life. I was just so excited coming in here and trying to prove myself. I wanted to just explore everything. I was in traffic. I was in here on air. I was in the promotions department, just trying to soak up whatever game I could. And then having my father pass away. Now, I will say that I was prepared for that because he wasn't doing well. He wasn't sick, but internally he wasn't doing well. And what was hard for me about that was, first off, losing your father figure and a person who you were close to. Because I, I didn't run with friends. I ran with my daddy and my brothers. That's who I was with all the time. But the hardest thing was trying to console my brothers and my sisters. 
My older brother was there with my daddy when he passed away. We was playing PlayStation. He said, you ain't going to play with us because Jared ain't here. And Jared's my little brother. And I kind of looked at him and just went upstairs to talk to my girlfriend who, who I was with at the time. And then I heard John's screams and I had to come down and see that my father was passed out on the floor. So just having to console them was was the hardest thing for me and trying to pick myself up and really having to grow up on the fly and kind of having to be the man quite frankly, in my family now amongst my brothers and my sister and my mother, because my mother, she was devastated too, but I had to call Jared. Yeah. I had to call him and tell him like, hey, you know, it ain't looking good for pops. Just being on that high and then coming back down, it's just uh, just emotional roller coaster that you got to deal with in life. You're, gonna, you're not going to always be, you say this all the time to me, you're not, everything ain't going to always go to plan. You're going to have to make adjustments. Although I was ready spiritually and emotionally for my day to pass away, uh, he was more than a father. He was my best friend. He was just everything. Somebody who I looked up to, somebody who I talked to. Do you see yourself having kids one day? Absolutely. My life will be incomplete with no kids. 33 years old right now. When do you think this is going to happen? <laughs> I promised myself a long time ago, Shay, I was never going to be a baby father. It's so many divided families and so many kids, I feel like, don't get the full service of a life by not having both parents in the house. Now, they may have both parents in their life, but it's, to me it's different to have both parents in the household to see how your mother reacts to your father, see how your father treats your mother. I feel like kids have to experience that instead of just seeing your father by himself or with random women or your mother by herself working two jobs, never there to teach you. Because I feel like fathers are there for structure and mothers are there to show you love and show you how to love. I like the Huxtables. I like watching the Cosby show, and I feel like that's realistic for black people. So that's where my mind is always. $5 million question. I don't get it because I see you as a little brother, but there are a lot of women who are going to want to know this. What type of woman are you looking for to make Mrs. B shining? Well, first off, she has to believe in God. That's absolutely number one. And believe it or not, there are some women who don't follow that lifestyle. And for me, that's a deal breaker. Second, I would prefer a nice and quiet and sweet woman. Although you're making that face right now, it's cool. But that's what just, does that mean? It's just like okay, she has just has a soft presence about her. Like you have some women that are aggressive who are more vocal and more what outlandish, I would say. But then you have some women who are like kind of sweet, nice, and meek. They don't say much. And I'm not saying she can't be strong because she can be strong. It's just that when we're in public, that's what I prefer. I don't require a certain length of hair or to have a certain skin tone or any of that. You have to be optimistic. I need fierce loyalty. I got to have that because if I can't trust you with the loyalty thing, there's nothing at all for us to talk about. I need you to have foresight. And most importantly, I need you to have my back at all times. I'm talking about I could be dead wrong in public, but... You correct me in private, and I'm going to do the same for you. Just I need you on my team, all right? And I'm going to be on your team. I'm going to be your biggest fan. You be my biggest fan, and we're going to support each other. But don't, dis don't show any disloyalty to me in public. Do you think you've ever met this woman and maybe let her go by, or it's just never been all in one package yet? I honestly don't think she's been in one package yet. Now, there have been a couple of women who've been close, and perhaps I have let 
some slide by because I don't know how to approach women. I've never been that type to be like, hey, let me get up on you. Let me uh, get your number, blah, blah, blah. I've ne- That's not my style. Do you think you'd make a good husband? I know I would. Why? I would care for her like I would care for my mother. That's the kind of love I would show her, to make sure that she's all right, to make sure she's protected, make sure she's comfortable, to give her constructive criticism, not to come down on her. I want to open the door for her to show me constructive criticism, too, because if she can't critique me, then I'm just I, I don't feel like that's a leader. Pretty much everything that you set out to do, you've been able to accomplish. What's next for you? I talked about having a foundation for young urban men. And you know what? Looking on like Nipsey Hussle's life and what he was able to do, I really feel like I need to do something more impactful for my community now. You know, we do our thing with going to schools and talking to kids, reading to kids, doing proms, DJing, whatever. But I feel like I could dig deeper. I do. There's so many young urban men who need guidance. They need help so bad. It's not that they're bad. Their potential hasn't been tapped into. Their environment and where they are in Kansas City being specific. And this, you know, this happens all around the United States. In our inner city, I think they just see stuff as as one light. They have a one-track mind. I'm going to just do this street shit. Going to school, but eventually I'm going to get out here and I'm going to get it. And I think that they need to see there are different avenues of life. You don't have to go down this route, dog. You can go to trade school. You want to go to college, you can do that. I just want them to see you don't have to always do the street shit. You don't have to be a rapper. You don't have to play ball. You have the mind and the capabilities to do whatever you want to do. I really feel that way. I'm not a street guy at all, but I've been around it, though. I was raised around it. I was just one of the lucky ones who could rise above that stuff. You've been talking about some really serious things. Family, the state of Kansas City, young people. Let's talk cheese for a second. Where did the love affair begin? Really, it was my pops and just being around Kansas City growing up in the Marty Schottenheimer era. Technically, when I was born in 85, cheese were bad. Cheese were not good. And so no one was talking about the Chiefs like how we do now. When I came of age, when I could really comprehend things and really get and really know football, that's when the Chiefs were the talk of the town. That's when Marty Schottenheimer came here and turned the entire organization around because for almost 20 years, the Chiefs were bad. We were a bad organization. The first time that I remember watching a Chiefs game and me remembering things was in 1992 playoffs when we got shut out by the Chargers 17-0. And at that year, we had swept the Chargers. We beat them two times in the regular season, but we could not beat them in the postseason. And then the year after that was when we got Joe Montana, we got Marcus Allen, and it was just Chiefs pandemonium around here because of the fact that we got these superstars here. And we were one game away from going to the Super Bowl. Along with my father and then Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson cultivating the city into being this Chiefs kingdom that we are now, that was my first experience of really taking this Chiefs thing to heart. Let's talk barbecue for a second. That's another thing that you really love. Second favorite thing to talk about. Is it just that Kansas City is known for it? Or do you think if you lived in another place where barbecue is not the stock and trade that you would have found a love for it in Los Angeles or something? Nah, 
It's purely Kansas City. It's, I'm definitely a product of my environment when it comes to that. I just take pride in that, that we are one of the like top two barbecue capitals in the United States. That's just a part of me growing up here. It definitely is. I don't think I would be enthralled with barbecue like I am now if I lived in another city. Just something you grow up with here. You, you get introduced from day one. You know, at Menorah Medical Center, they gave me a bottle of milk, and then they gave me a bottle of barbecue sauce for me to suck on. No. Okay, I'm lying. <laughs> Wowzers. But but <laughs> but man, like it is like it's just so it's such a part of the culture here. It's just I've only met one person in my entire life who's like who's from here, born and raised here, who doesn't like barbecue. You just get introduced to that so early on and it just becomes part of the Chiefs thing too, you know, with the tailgating. Top five barbecue joints in Kansas City. Let's go reverse. Number five is Q thirty nine. Their burn ins are so tender and so juicy. It is so good, Shay. I'm telling you. And their sides are wonderful, too. They have very good fries. Number four will be Jack Stack. Jack Stack just does everything well. Their meats are semi-dry sometimes, but it's still delicious. And them wings just are out of this world. Number three would be Joe's Kansas City. Probably the the softest, most delicious, most buttery burnt ends ever. And their sauce is, is amazing. They probably had the second best sauce in the city. Ribs, oh my God, just fall off the bone. Number two is Gates. Gates is sentimental to me because I grew up in Village Green, which is all 46 and Pasale. The old Gates was right there. So we we had Gates a lot growing up. You should just give them the respect. Now, I know people talk about them, about, oh, well, they be skimping and they be doing this and they be doing that. I've never had a bad experience with Gates. Their meats are just, mm, they always give me plenty meat, Jay. Pause. Thank you. You all the meat Any, you can. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Pause. And then my undisputed number one is LC's, another sentimental favorite. They have the best sauce in the city. If I'm on my deathbed and you ask me, Brian, what's your last meal? Damn it, give me LC's. All right, whatever they got, I will take a spoon dipped in sauce from LC's and eat that. They make all of my favorites well. That's what it is. It's the burnings, it's the brisket, it's the fries, it's the baked beans. It's just perfect barbecue to me. Shout out to Slaps. They got to be the honorable mention, Shay, because they had the most tender ribs I ever had over mm. there on KCK. I would say in the last three and a half years, I've actually witnessed you step your game up tremendously when it comes to rocking a party and serving the people who are out on the dance floor. I think you do a really good job of gauging what's happening out on the dance floor. And then you've got one of the coldest voices in the game. So I stay on you all the time about get on that mic, let them hear your voice because that's what sets you apart from other DJs in the town. There may be other DJs who can spin. There are other people who can host, but to be able to have both of those things at a high level, everybody does not have that. Why do you think you don't like to get on that mic as much as I think you need to get on that mic? First off, I appreciate it. That's high praise coming from you because you've been to a lot of places and you've seen a lot of parties. You've seen the top parties in Atlanta, in Toronto, wherever. <laughs> You've seen it. I appreciate the high praise, but I'm a little shy sometimes. I am. And 
No, for real. Like, it's like, okay, do I want to be overbearing right now? Like, cause that, that's what I would be feeling like. I'd be feeling like I'm overbearing. Like, I'm like, okay, get this loud nigga off the mic. He, he's doing too much. So, so sometimes that's what I feel. And then another thing is I feed off the crowd. I know a lot of times some DJs, they feel like the audience feeds off them, which is true. We, I think we feed off of each other, but if the crowd is dead, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. But if the crowd is live, though, that's when I can get into it. But it's the chicken and the egg thing. You know, which one comes first? Do I hype the crowd up or does the crowd hype me up? And I think most of the time it's, it's probably my job to hype them up. But I feel like I can do that with the music. I do that with the music first. I, it's like sex. You got to do the foreplay first. You got to, you know. And your voice is the wood. That's what you're not <laughs> oh getting. God. The music is the foreplay. Yeah. I want that part. Right, right. But don't forget about the wood. Right, right. No, you can't forget about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can penetrate a crowd, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when when I get into it, it really depends on the energy. But you're right. I could do a better job with that. You don't have to be overbearing. You don't have right. to do too much. They just need to hear your voice. I, I'm telling you. I'm like, Brian, you got one of the coldest voices out here. Yeah. Nobody is rocking with you with that. And your voice will stand up to any DJ across this country, across the world. I'm dead serious. I That's your gift. I'm taking your word for it, fam. Me and DJ Coles, he's from Buffalo. We talk a lot about going to different places. When he DJs, Man. he doesn't say anything. And I've been watching DJ Coles DJ since right. he was like 16 years old. Right. I'm just really nervous about that. When I come out and do something, I like to make sure it's perfect. I like to make sure that I know what I'm doing. I'm going in a situation. I'm prepared. Going to Atlanta, I need to have all the Atlanta hits going from the 80s to, to now. Uh, if I'm going to New York, I need to make sure I have all of their hits. I think DJing is such a regional thing and that's why I'm sometimes I'm apprehensive about it because I know for a fact in Kansas City what we want when we want it how we want it I know that in Atlanta or another city or LA I'm not 100% sure what they want so that's why kind of sometimes I'm apprehensive about you know going to other places or but it's something I have to do and I will say in 2015 I went to Atlanta with DJ Mac and and, and Kansas City Cash and my dude DJ Spin Styles he's from here he DJs a lot in Atlanta he let me have a mic and I did exactly what we talking about shit I got on the mic and you know I, I did my thing you've had a lot of great successes you have a lot of wins in your favor right now where can you grow as a man as a person, as a human being. Being more concerned with other people and how they feel about stuff. You kind of tell me about that a lot. I've been in my selfish mode for probably about 10 years now, ever since I graduated from college. I only depend on myself. I only answer to myself. I'm not really around other people in my personal life, except for when I'm with you sometimes or when I'm with my friends, my other friends. Being less selfish personally being more attentive to other people's feelings and what I say and what I do. Because I will admit a lot of times I'm not and I don't do things to be mean or anything. I just I don't be I don't know how it affects other people. The things that I would do. I need to be closer with God. I need to go to church more often. I have to do that. Now, I do watch church at home. It's called Amazing Fact. And he breaks it down so eloquently that I can learn it. For real, it's on TV. It's on Channel 373 on Direct TV. It comes on 12 o'clock on Sunday. Even though I talk to God and I pray every day, I read my scripture every day through my Bible app. I tweet it out every day. I know it's more to it than that. 
Don't condemn yourself. I spent a lot of time in church over the years, and I've learned a lot. It's totally helped me to be able to get through some really rough times when you know how to pray, what to pray, what scriptures to go to when you're having a hard time. And it does say in the Bible not to sacrifice the assembly with each other, but I think even greater than that is seeking God and constantly seeking him like in my own personal life I've always experienced in my life that I'm always looking up to heaven every day like there's a scripture that talks about the children of of Israel that were in the desert they wanted to go back to Egypt into bondage because they didn't have food they didn't have clothes they didn't have everything God would rain down manna every day for them and so they tried to start saving it and putting it up but it would disintegrate and spoil every day i've always seen my life like i don't have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars saved up but every time i need something he rains down manna down on me every day and so what that does is it keeps me humble because i'm always looking up like all right god what you got for me today Mm -hmm. and i've i've had experiences like that too i was broke I didn't have, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this light bill or, or whatever, but then a remote would come my way. But, like, God has never failed me on nothing. And I'm a walking testimony of that, for real. That's where I'm missing my father and my grandma at. I feel like God worked through them for me. Like, he put things on their mind for them to tell me about things in the Bible. And that's why I say I need to be closer to God because if I'm going to have his family, I got to lead my family. I have to be the one to provide my son or my daughter with scriptures. Like, hey, this is where you need to go for this. And this is what you need to go for that. I think people will have a deeper understanding of who you are. Tell them how they can connect with you on socials. At Brian B. Shining everywhere. Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, B-R-I-A-N-B-S-H-Y-N-I-N. Another episode of People, Places, and Things. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see You'll never know Other people, places, things that you see